In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast hobbit is the one and only... Travis, son of rats, slayer of demons, taker of woman's virginity, purveyor of fine leather shoes, mm, rats. <laughs> Travis Rats, uh, thanks for being on the podcast with me again, buddy. Did I get this the is, part? Is... Did I get the part? You did. I think you did. You read well. Right. You read well Thank for you. it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Comic Exposure Podcast. On this podcast, we talk about comic books. Uh, every other week, we do a comic book club where we read a trainer graphic novel. We bring someone on. We talk about it. Last episode, we talked about The Way of the Weird, uh, Jason Aaron's take on Doc Strange. And today is one of those in-between episodes. This episode that you are listening to right now, this glorious piece of audio Entering your ear canals, vibrating your eardrum, your your tympanic nerve endings. I don't know if that's right. It is is an episode where we've got a we've got a um a guest a an interview today uh, that I'm pretty stoked for. I'm pretty stoked for Travis. I was really excited to get this interview. Uh, we're talking to Andrew McLean, uh, who is the author and artist of Headlopper. Uh, which just put out their trade. He just put out the full trade of it. Call and, me Norgal. <laughs> call me Norgal. Uh, and uh, he also did Apocalyptic Girl, which you and I did not this comic book summer, but our very first comic book summer is one of the books on comic book summer. Yeah, that was and great. So was, you did it with um, your daughter. Yeah, my, my daughter was on that one. So I was really excited to kind of talk to him. I wish I didn't get to talk to him nearly about as much stuff as I wanted to, but uh, I'm pretty stoked uh, well, to, to big, have this. You're a big there. Andrew McLean fan. Like, even I, before you we know started what? doing the podcast, you were like, you got to read Headlopper. You gave me your first quarterly issue of Headlopper. No, I, I think that was during pot. I think that was during. It might have been we the Kickstarter one yeah, I gave yeah, you. Yeah, yeah it yeah. might have been the Kickstarter ones I gave you. Um, but, but, uh, I've been kind of following him on Instagram and, and like he does a bunch of process stuff on Instagram. And so I think that just gets me more hooked into what he's doing. Right. Cause Ugh. you get to, you get, you get to see him build boy. it. Stop geeking. Uh, out. How's this butt taste, Josh? <laughs> so anyways, anyways, uh, on the episode today, we've got him. So, uh, Travis today's, today's like a fa- a fantasy day for you and I, not, not in some sort of like Ooh. kinky way, but but we're gonna we're gonna delve into our our fantastical past, our 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 mm, that, fantasy dragons <laughs> and elves. Yay. That that piece of our nerddom that we haven't really talked about a whole lot on here. We're gonna we're gonna embrace it today. Uh, but we're we're gonna throw to the interview first. Uh, so I'm gonna throw to the interview. Everybody, listen in. Uh, we got an interview with Andrew McLean. Listen up. Check it out. Here it is. Wait, are we gonna throw to this? Yeah, because I'll just right, is that right, how we... ready. Get back, get back, get farther back. back. Though. I'm gonna throw. Okay, step, let's take, no, I take can, a step. I can go further. Here we go. Ready? I'm gone. What? Yeah, good. What? Hold on to your butts. It's a comic exposure interview. All right, everybody, we've got an interview today. I've got Andrew McLean on the show. Did I say that right, Andrew? You did, yeah. All right, awesome. Andrew Clean's on the show today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, his book, Headlopper, and a couple other awesome things that he's been up to. Uh, and then uh, we're going to kind of learn a little bit about uh, the man himself. Uh, so, Andrew, I, first, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, the pod- yeah, thanks, the, thanks yeah, for having me, man. Yeah. Uh, the podcast is called Comic Exposure, and so what we do is we normally uh, – we kind of do every two weeks we do a graphic novel. We have someone come on, usually someone who doesn't read a lot of comic books, and we kind of expose them to uh, you know, a trade or graphic novel we think that they might be into or something to kind of go – to get them to look at the medium of comics in a different way. Uh, yeah. And then in between, we kind of just bullshit about what's going on. <laughs> 
in in nerdy <laughs> comic book culture. And so you're on one of those wonderful episodes. So nice. <laughs> um, what I wanted to ask you is, so we ask all of our guests this. And so what I want to ask you is, what was your first exposure to comic books? What's the first comic or comic book <clears throat> thing that got you? Um, you know, I don't remember what the very first comic uh, experience was that I had, but I remember just—I remember just really being excited over a handful of Spider-Man comics. I had particularly two because they were—I think they were both like annuals or something. Yeah. And it was the '90s, of course, so they were like. They were hologram, like the hologram <laughs> covers, you know, they're like all shiny and, yeah. you know, you, you spin it and the, the image changes and all that. I think I, had um, those, I think I had those same ones. I think I had those same ones. Yeah, yeah, I think we all did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I love Spider-Man in general. One of them was like, Sp- Spider-Man like had, uh, had like armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so his suit was like, his, his where, where there was like uh, blue was black and then, and then where where is normally red was all like plates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it was like uh, it was like silver plates, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I could I just couldn't take my eyes off it. I would go back again and again, and then eventually I would just like draw the draw the panels and everything. And I just I don't know. It was just I mean Spider-Man in general was kind of my my big the big hook at the, at the in the early days. Well, awesome, awesome. Everybody everybody loves some Peter Parker. I think everybody everyone has like a little place in their heart for Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to admit it or not. Yeah, he's he's there. He's there in all of us. <laughs> so what? Let me ask you. So if that was your first sort of like comic book love, what made you decide, or, or how did you get started? Um, you, you you're writing and uh, and drawing. So Headlopper, Apocalyptic Girl. Um, where did you start? Did you start uh, writing some stuff first? Did you start drawing first or both at the same time? Or how did you decide that comic books was what you wanted to do? I mean, growing up, you know, I for a lot of my childhood, I wanted to draw comics uh, for a living, but I never thought of writing. You know, I didn't. it didn't even occur to me how you would, like, put, put a comic together. For whatever reason, I would just draw, like, single images all the time. It, it, I don't know why. I didn't think to like just start making comics when I was a kid and it didn't really, it never occurred to me that like, you know, that I could just write them myself. So it wasn't until I was in like, I was in college or whatever and I wasn't going for art at the time, but, uh, I just, I just really wanted to, all of a sudden it just, I, I got back into comics and, and I just really, all of a sudden really wanted to make them. And I just, I wasn't taking it very seriously at the beginning. So I just, it didn't even, I didn't, I wasn't calling myself a writer, but I was just, you know, telling, you know, telling stories or coming up with stories. And, uh, yeah, it was just, I just wanted to make it. So I just, I just did, you know, <laughs> it took me like, it took me like another couple of years before I was like, oh yeah, I guess I kind of am the writer on the on these, you know, <laughs> these ideas. So what? So you said you got back into comics. So I think there's like this period of time for a lot of people where they kind of fall out of comic books. It happened to me. It happened to Travis, the other the other host of the show, where there's this kind of like period of time where you fall away from it. What got you back into comic books then? What what thing got you back into it? Uh, it what got me back into it was Hellboy. Uh, I I would in uh, in Massachusetts we have this this chain of comic book stores called uh, Newberry Comics and uh, and really they're hardly even a comic shop the co- the comic section is really small but we would always go there and, and to buy CDs and everything so we would spend tons and tons of time there mm-hmm. I, I always I had grown up loving comics so I would often poke through the comic section when we were there you know uh, looking for music and. Uh, and I just saw, like, I just would look at the Hellboy comics over and over again, and then I wasn't sure if I if I liked the art or hated it, you know, because like, you know, like growing up, it's easy to, you know, being a kid, it's easy to think that like, oh, you know, the more lines, the better, you know. Yeah. But like this this character Hellboy was was like, I thought he was just a really cool idea, and uh, but the art was so simple, I was almost like confused by it. And eventually, I broke down and just bought like one of the one of the trades. I was like, whatever, I'll I'll just check this out. Like, I keep coming back to it again and again and again. And then it, and then it, and it blew my mind. Like, I, I I didn't until then. I had only thought of comics as being this like superhero thing, and Hell and Hellboy isn't 
superhero yeah. at all. And like, as soon as I actually read the story with Mignola's art, I was just like, oh, it's such a fool for thinking that like maybe it was too simple. And, and all of a sudden it felt, you know, so deep and, and so uh, just brilliant or whatever. And then and it opened my eyes to just comics. I didn't know that there were like indie comics out there and everything. So I just, I, I just thought comics and I thought superheroes, like yeah. I think a lot of people do. And, uh, and I just wasn't into superheroes anymore. So that's how I had gotten out of comics. But finding Hellboy showed me that like you can draw a comic anyway. You can, it can, you know, the story can be anything. It's just a, it's just a, a medium for for art and and uh, and story. And then it just made me like really excited to go find other stuff out there too that I. That all of a sudden I was like, yeah, if this exists, there's got to be all kinds of other crazy shit yeah. out there. I didn't even think of, you know. Yeah, I think I think if people who've seen your art style, there's there's a twinge. If I can if if I can say it, there's a twinge of Mignola in your style, uh, where it's not overly detailed, right? There's some simplicity to it and some abstractness to it, and and there's just something there's just something wonderful about uh, about like seeing your art, and I've kind of like watched from like. Headlopper being kickstarted, uh, Headlopper two, I think the second part of the island, I, I kickstarted that one, and then through like you sharing your process of Apocalyptic Girl on Instagram and everything, um, to really kind of see the way that you create images with 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 this sort of abstract character design, but there's just something like really really great i mean it's it's not realistic but it's but there's a lot of emotion in what you're doing and i think i think that you share that sort of like idea with the way that you know from those hellboy comics that got you back into it right yeah for sure i mean there's no there's no denying like you know when i when i set out i was like i think i actually want to make comics and like and i need and i'm going to need to develop a style and i started to try to actually think about what that was you know that Mignola was like was like my my starting place. You know what I mean? Because he was at the time. There's so much I hadn't seen yet, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was just I, and I loved it so much. You know, there was it was just like I was trying to draw like him. You know, and I guess that was technically before I actually made any comics. But yeah, like and so that's that was kind of the backbone that the rest of where where I would go with my style would. Uh, would be would would you know that's where it started so there's like there's no denying yeah there's still like a skeleton there's still a skeleton in there of uh of, of that's very Mignola you know yeah and I think you know I not to say I like my point wasn't to say like like you're cribbing or anything like that but you can definitely tell that it's in that same vein of like you've like this cartoony like abstract realism if that makes sense where yeah it does and I don't and I don't you know, so especially if someone points out like, oh yeah, this is kind of you know Mignola-esque. You know, especially you know in certain scenarios, it's 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 more obvious than others, or whatever. But I don't, you know, it's it's uh, I don't get like that doesn't bug me or anything because I just know it's true. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I think it's like it's, I, I feel like people, I feel like it's nice to kind of just like admit that you're like yeah my my work is is based on how much i love so and so and so and so and eventually yeah. it's just it's almost like if if like when Mignola talks about his style uh he'll say like i wanted to i wanted to be you know frank frazetta or whatever and you look at his his early stuff even though it wasn't like painterly you know like you yeah. know frazetta or, or like rendered like frazetta stuff like the shapes and the like anatomy was was very Frazetta-ish, and yeah. you know, and, and I I find I find just like admitting what 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 inspires you like really kind of like liberating in a way, you know. So there's um, can you can you let's talk a little bit about you've got Headlopper coming out in trade. Can you tell us a little bit about like if you were gonna I mean tell the tell the world the listeners who maybe haven't picked it up didn't see it when it was coming out. Um, can you tell them a little bit about what uh, what Headlopper is all about? Yeah, sure. It's kind of like um, it's like a tongue in it's kind of a tongue in cheek, dark, uh, uh, darkly humored fantasy. You know, it's like a like bar, you know, kind of a barbarian comic. You know, some people say Viking, but there, there's nothing. Um, there's nothing. It, it's like strictly fantasy. You know. Yeah. You know, I don't. You know, Vikings were real people. There's nothing historic about about Headlopper. 
but yeah, it's kind of like you know, if I if I had to say it's it's you know X meets Y, it's kind of like Conan meets Hellboy in a way. You know, there's like a guy, is a big guy with a big sword, and he uh, he kills, he cuts the heads off of a lot of uh, a lot of you know big monsters and stuff. <laughs> and that, or that's kind of like where it started. But then once I realized, like I have a lot of pages to fill, like what a, what am I actually going to write about there? You know, more and more of the influence you know, was more and more drawn from, you know, the actual, like, original Conan stories or, uh-huh. or you know, Fawford and the Grey Mauser or the, um, you know, Song of Ice and Fire, you know, the, like the Game of Thrones books, uh, Lord of the Rings. So it's like I, I try to really tap into some kind of, like, really kind of classic, you know, pure fantasy stuff. And I and I really try to stay true to the to the genre, you know, like some people – you know, they'll try to like mix genre ideas. I, I really wanted to kind of stay sort of like class, straight up, straight up barbarian story. Yeah. Or, or like, yes. Yeah, yeah. But more like fantasy. Yeah. You, yeah. Really, yeah. He is a bit the barbarian type character, but I do picture more fantasy than, okay. than anything. So let me tell you, man, you draw the hell out of some giant monsters. There, <laughs> <laughs> there's some, there's some fantastic like monster design in here. And like, as a giant nerd who loves like, big monster movies and just uh the the larger and the crazier the better there is some there's some fantastic i mean like just the very first one that you did headlopper one there's this giant like sea beast uh that he has to fight and it is it's this fantastic little it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh uh the crack and it didn't look like the kraken but the whole sort of thing reminded me a little bit of um Oh, uh, Clash of the Titans a little bit, like the original. Yeah, no, yeah, you hit the you hit the nail on the head, really. I mean, yeah, when I was a when I was a kid, like you know, when I when I first started making Headlopper, what I was really trying, I wanted to make something that was just purely fun, and I wanted and I wanted it to kind of feel like you know when I was when I was a kid watching uh, TV with my uh, with a uh, with my older brother, and we would always watch anytime we came across. Arnold playing Conan, we'd watch it anytime we saw, you know, any of the, you know, Harryhausen movies, uh, we would watch it, but particularly Clash of the Titans. I, yeah. I, when I was little, man, the Kraken was so cool, and I thought <laughs> the scenes with Medusa were so fucking scary. Oh, they, were, they were great. <laughs> oh, oh, man, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, totally. And, and for a little while with Headlopper, I wanted to, I wanted all the monsters to be, like, really classical. Like, I wanted to draw from, like, uh, you know, Greek and Roman mythology and, and, and a lot of those creatures. And, and here and there, I still do. But eventually, I, I, I kind of wanted to just invent more of my own. But hopefully, they still... Yeah, exactly. I want, the, I want them to almost feel like they could exist in the Clash of the Titans like, universe, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's like that opening sort of like, you know, finding out who Headlopper is in that first scene with him in, in, in the first book is sort of this... It's this, you know giant battle and like as as i read through your stuff and 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 you know as you went on with the rest of headlopper once you got picked up by image for it um there's just some great like panel layouts that you do that that i'm i'm always curious how do you come up with so how to lay out those panels so if we like in headlopper 2 there's the whole fight scene with the with the giant wolves and Mm -hmm. you've got this one panel there's one uh two pages in it. it's like a two page i guess you could call it a splash but it's not really a splash because it's like three consecutive borderless uh panels right and he's yeah. he's attacking the wolves in there how do you decide what's your process of setting up because there's some great battle scenes in here what's your process of like figuring out how to lay that stuff out what do you go through to, to make that happen well page by page by page i think of i think of the the, the um the page is just being like, uh, like it only has so much real estate, like, you know, like square inches or whatever. So yeah. I try to think of like, what are the, what are the big moments and, uh, the, the ones that, you know, deserve the most attention. Of course they get the largest, uh, the largest panels. Um, and then I also, I consider, um, I try to consider like we, how do we keep track of where we are in the setting, you know, by like, where do I draw establishing, you know, panels, uh, I mean, establishing shots of like backgrounds and stuff. So I, I, I figure out, yeah, like that for like page by page, but overall I do, 
I do kind of core in my scripts are really detailed, so like I do kind of like choreograph out the whole fight. I don't just kind of like just, wing you it. You don't wing it. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't wing anything. And uh, yeah, and so in in when I'm writing, I I write. I, I do write it like, oh, this is the, this is the big panel. Like, all right, this is, you know, a large panel or something. Or like, you know, most of the page. Like, I'll write notes that are like, that even when I'm writing, I'm saying like, this is, for this page, this is the important moment. Like, okay. or, 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 or the most, or maybe not even the most important, but sometimes just the most fun to look at, <laughs> you know? You know, because a lot of it, a lot of Headlopper is about just like drawing cool stuff and having cool stuff to look at, you know? And so, yeah, I'll try to just, you know, maximize that. But, and then the other thing I do, whether it's action or not, is, and it's not, it's, it's easier, easier said than done sometimes, but I do try to make it so, like, if you looked at just, if you looked at just the page, each, each individual page will hopefully read a little bit like a story, you know, meaning that, like, like, even though it may only be a couple moments that are on each page, if there was a beginning of that moment, it is at the beginning of the page, and, and the end of that moment is at the end of that page, and it doesn't get cut, you know, by a page turn or or not, you know. Okay. Yeah. No, I can totally see that. So you said you write. So you said you write some pretty detailed scripts for this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really do. I like. I like write like camera angle stuff. Oh, sometimes if I. Cause like when I'm writing, I, I'm already getting, I'm already getting the ideas for what it'll look like. So if I picture, and just by default, but as I'm writing, you know, panel to panel, I'm I, a, a layout starts to kind of form in my mind. So I'll just sometimes I'll just say like, oh, this is a row of uh, three, you know, um, you know, identical panels. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Or yeah. I'll say like a row three. You know what I mean, or whatever, or I'll be like this. They're all right. Like this page is, you know, just, you know, cut into quarters. You know, um, you know, it's just four, four like horizontal panels or whatever. And it's just like if 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 I see that when I'm writing it, and I'm trying to tell the story. I'll just I'll I'll put the note in there, and uh, and then I can and then when I come back around to actually draw the thing, I can decide whether it was a shitty idea or not. Then, <laughs> but at least I remember what I pictured while I was writing, and yeah. I usually. I do usually kind of stick to it, though. Do you do a lot of thumbnail stuff with yours, or do you go right from script to roughs? I generally do, like, one thumbnail. Uh, I don't really like doing that stage, so I kind of, like, they don't, they don't look like much. I feel like they're almost like they're almost like visual notes. Like, if I think if I gave it, showed someone else the uh, the thumbnail, and, and I was like, what what page in this book was this? They'd be like, I, I, I don't know. This doesn't look, this doesn't look like anything. <laughs> so let me ask you, you kickstarted uh, the first two ish, I guess we could call them issues of, of Headlopper before it got, before it went to image. So what was that experience like kickstarting it and, and how did that work out for you and how did it go from that process to an image release? Um, it was, um, uh, self publishing is just, is exhausting. Like there's a, like a, like like a lot of kind of clerical type work. There's a ton of shipping and packaging and, and going to um and going spending a lot of time at the post office post office and and, and getting packages back on your doorstep because of who friggin knows why you know and, and it's just like it's it kind of sucks and I think it's like you have to I feel like to really kind of stick with that for a long time you have to actually like the idea or. Of being also a publisher beyond just a comic creator. Yeah, you, you have to like stuffing and, um, envelopes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to really love envelopes. <laughs> but uh, but we so we did it for a while, and I just I was getting really tired of it. I was getting sick of it. Uh, I was I was lucky enough to be working on Apocalyptic Girl at the time, and I was so grateful that someone else was going to ship that out and put it on <laughs> so many more shelves than I'd ever get to do on my own. And so, like, I was I was having a hard time imagining. As much as I wanted to get back and and work on more Headlopper, I was having a hard time imagining going back to self publishing. And I said something to that effect, being like, I just I just want to get out of self publishing in general. And uh, a friend of mine has a you know a book that's been an image for for forever, and he really likes he really likes Headlopper, and he was just like, well, you know, 
like you can't stop making headlopper. I was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so he, he took the initiative and he just, he sent those, uh, those two, those two self-published <laughs> issues and gave them to Eric Stevenson. And I literally had that conversation with him, walked out the door, went to, went to the post office. I was clearly complaining about having to go to the post office. <laughs> and, uh, and by the time I got back, maybe maybe a half hour or so, there was an email from Eric Stevenson being like, "Hey, like this is cool. You want to do this here?" And I was like, "Oh, thank God! Yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah." So it just worked out. So what made you? It's like so. I'm gonna tell you, I love the quarterly comic. I think it's fantastic. Um, I I really I'm kind of like of the mind that I wish some I wish some more books would come out that way. Uh, but my question to you is, what made you decide to go quarterly? And, uh, has it, has it worked out? Has it been something that like after that decision was made, has, has it worked out the way you wanted it to? Um, yeah, it has worked out. Um, you know, there was, there's, uh, there was a number of people who told me that it was probably a bad idea, you know? Um, but I just, I just wanted to, so we gave it a shot and, um, yeah, it's actually worked out fine. Like our, uh, I think maybe it, it it made retailers kind of order um, maybe a little bit. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they, they, I think they ordered safe. I think they ordered a little bit. They ordered what they were pretty confident they could sell. Uh-huh. And so our numbers, our numbers from issue one through issue four stayed pretty static, which is which is uh, which is not typical. Um, but yeah, I, I I did it. I decided to do quarterly more so because I like I wanted to make a bigger book rather than I only wanted to do a book for every three months. It was in uh, it was simple. I wanted to write. I wanted I liked writing the scripts at whatever pace I thought told the story best. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, um, and apparently I tell stories a little bit slow. And so the first the, the very first time I I did that 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 first. Self-published headlopper. Um, I I just wrote it, and I was thinking I'm gonna make a you know a standard 22-page comic or whatever. But I wanted to write it at, at a pace that I just thought was comfortable, and I did not get very far into the story. Like I thought I was gonna get further, you know, and and I was like, all right, well I don't want to change the pace, so we published we published that one, and then when we decided to do the second one and, and kickstart it, and I knew I didn't have to. I knew that we it would be paid for up front or whatever. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up now. I'm gonna pick a place in the story uh, that I wanted to stop at, and whatever that page count is is whatever that page count is. And so the second self-published issue was I think it was like 45 pages of story, or whatever. And I just loved how I loved that length. I loved that kind of like 45 pages of story. It, it gave me a chance to like you know dig into a couple of the characters meet some new characters you know you could have more than you could have like two you could have two battles or, or one huge battle and you could still push the plot along and i i felt like i didn't have to sacrifice anything you know um i guess i guess i like i have a pet peeve of like i'll get excited about a new comic that's coming out so i'll go get issue one and by the time you get through 22 pages i haven't been reading about these characters long enough to to have any sympathy for me. I don't yeah. know if I like them yet. It's I we I hardly met them, and I I always really like uh, you know act, like action in comics, fight scenes and stuff. And it's all it's always like a sacrifice. Well, do we have a little tiny action scene, or do we meet to move the plot? Do you know? Or that's how I always felt. You know, yeah. uh, just like I just was kind of like screw it. Like I figured Image would say no. I was like honestly, I told him, I was like. I was like, honestly, I if I could do it any way I want, I would. It would come out quarterly, and it would be, you know, so like fifty to sixty pages or something. And I just thought they were like, well, that's not how the market works. And they were just like, yeah, whatever you want. And I was like, okay, <laughs> oh shit, okay. I guess we'll do it that way. The, the first issue that came out in Image, so I had kickstarted the first couple, and then you redid those ones with mm-hmm. some some new material for the first one that came out with Image, and it's like it's what is it almost as it it's over 80 pages right it's got to be yeah i think it's almost 100 yeah it's, like, it, it's, it's like this, really big this giant book and the price point on it was magnificent and like 
I feel like yep, as, as, as someone who who, uh, who who buys comics on Wednesdays, I always feel like Marvel's ripping me off for the four ninety nine for twenty two pages. And so when when I like to go pick that up and get like you said fifty or sixty pages of story, um, I you know it's it's I think it's one of the coolest things in comics right now is this this quarterly thing that you're doing. And if if anybody else picked it up and ran with it, I'd be very happy. Uh, to, to get bigger stories at, at that pace. I, I think, I think you're right. I think it gives you the opportunity, you know, in your book to have this giant scene, that's a giant battle that you, that you do so well, but then also sort of like move the story along with some dialogue and, 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 you know, character development that you don't, that you can't get when you keep having to take a commercial break every 20 yeah. pages, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and the other the other thing that I try to do, and uh, partially because I thought I didn't want to I didn't want to lose anybody, and because you I mean you still got you're asking someone to pick up where they left off after three months, like uh, how the hell are they gonna remember what happened, you know, <laughs> at the end? So partially for that, and partially because a lot of uh, you know a lot of classic like fantasy uh, stories are, are written like short stories. You know, because they're in pulp magazines or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so stuff like Conan or like Fafford and the Grey Mouse or a lot of that stuff. They're short stories, so I even though even though it's an arc, there's an, a, a story that goes on. You know, th- you know, there's a connecting thread issue to issue. I um, I do I try to write them so that each issue is still its own, you know, independent adventure, yeah. even if it even though it's like chronological. So I really try to make it so. So it's, uh, I try to keep it simple. Basically. I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, you're asking a lot of someone to be like, Hey, remember that little, that very specific piece of dialogue on, you know, page 15, which was now 60 pages ago and four months ago. Like that's asking a lot of, of people's memory, you know? So I try to, re- I try to remember that when I'm, when I'm plotting it out. So the trade comes out. What uh, what kind of extra stuff is going to be in this trade? I know I've seen you online kind of talk about some of the extra stuff that's going to be in there, but what can we expect in the trade of Headlopper? I basically put in everything I I had, <laughs> uh, everything I could scan from sketchbooks and everything. So I did. Uh, I, I didn't. I don't like the idea of putting out something that's own that's already been published, basically. Um, which is why, like that issue one, had a had a new story, and it wasn't just the previously self-published yeah. stuff. So this one has has a new story. Uh, it is chronological. It's um, it's uh, I call it an epilogue, but it's it's like it's kind of more of a hint at where where uh, where we'll go next, and we kind of see some of the side characters, or whatever. So the issue is totally wrapped up, totally wrapped up the actual story. So this is really an extra piece. So so it's like 15 page uh, epilogue. Um, I did uh, I did like a map of the island, and uh, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of like interactive in a way, meaning that the, we see the map at the beginning of each story and it okay. updates itself based on uh, based on Norgal and Agatha's travels. I so do, I do I do love a good map in a comic book. Who I mean, doesn't? You know, like, it reminds me of like the old. It reminds me of like playing like Nintendo and Super Nintendo role playing games, and you always had like the map by you. Like where the yeah, hell am yeah. I? Like where's this boss at? And so, yeah, or, or like every fantasy novel yeah, ever, yeah. there's a map on the inside covers, you know. So I, I felt like it needed to be in there. So yeah, so there's like a map, kind of like system, uh, and then there's um, there's, there's some extra new art in there, and then there's uh, there's a uh, there's a pinup gallery, which uh, for people it is I actually brought back the pinup gallery from the self-published stuff because there was just some really brilliant ones. Uh, I did that, and then there's some new ones in there. There's a, a cover gallery. There's a, um, there's a, like a, a sketchbook, like behind-the-scenes section. It's like it's – like, I think it's like 50 or 60 pages of like extras, you know? That's, that's pretty great, man. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I was like – you know, there were some people like, oh, you should have done like a hardcover special edition. I was like, I like if – if we did, like, it would have had a hardcover, but there wouldn't have been a special edition. I don't have any more content. To, to put it. it literally exhausted all of the content like I've ever created for it. So what have you? So you've got more Headlopper coming out. Uh, when does that start back up again? 
We're going to start in uh, in March. In March. Uh, yep. Yeah, we'll kick off in March. Um, I'm so I'm really really excited. Awesome. Mostly it's a uh, it's in a new place. Uh, most of the characters are uh, are um, are brand new. There's a there's a, at least one familiar face, um, and I'm really excited to. I'm really excited to dig into some of the characters that we already know uh, and, and just, you know, try to try to start moving down the road of some some grander scheme type things and, and getting to know. Uh, I really want to get to know like Agatha and, and Norval a little bit better, you know, because uh, I feel like I feel like the whole first arc is almost like is still like an introduction. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I'm kind of now I feel like we can kind of dig into stuff. So I'm I'm like super pumped to to get it out there. So you're working on that. You're working on anything else or or just just I mean that really anything else. This is like you're writing, you're 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 drawing it. So that's a lot. But is there anything else going on for you or? Um, I'm I'm no nothing nothing official. I'm kind of dabbling with some ideas of like writing some stuff. I would like to get uh writing writing some stuff for for other artists and I have uh. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I have a few ideas that I'm trying to get off the ground. Um, so who knows? <laughs> who really knows? Head Lopper does take up like a, a shit ton. of I was of gonna time. say it's 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 you're you're like the Renaissance man on that thing. You're you're doing you're doing everything for it. So um, you mean I'm a you mean I'm a control freak? <laughs> <laughs> well, however however you want to put it. Uh, <laughs> I we you know I didn't get a chance to talk to you about it a little bit uh, but Apocalyptic Girl we did it probably not this summer but the summer before we did it as a uh, as a um, graphic novel that we had you know someone come on and read my daughter came on and read it she was uh, she just finished her freshman year of high school um, and and read actually just finished eighth grade that's right so it was she had just finished eighth grade and she was our guest on for it uh, she really dug it she really liked it I love it I think it's um, it's a great book so if if you, if listeners out there, if you've checked out Headlopper but you haven't picked up Apocalyptic Girl, it is like a super fun sci-fi story. Like it's all the good stuff that that's in Headlopper that you've got. You know this, the the big kind of you've got these action pieces in it, the great character design, but it's sci-fi. So it's this totally different thing, and it, it's really kind of cool to see you to look at the two books and see you flex your muscles in both worlds. Um, what which one? I know, I know you're in the Headlopper world right now, but if you – sci-fi or fantasy, what's the one that if you could spend some more time in after Headlopper, would you continue with the fantasy stuff or would you go back to some sci-fi? Um, you, you know, I feel like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to going back to some, some sci-fi. Um, I love Headlopper, but I feel like um, – I, I feel like, uh, like I wouldn't want to do – at least at this point, I wouldn't want to do a different fantasy project. Yeah. Like I feel like I feel like uh, all my fantasy ideas are getting stuffed into one place. <laughs> but uh, but I only did those, you know, apocalyptic girls like only hundred pages. So I I have a, a lot more sci-fi stuff that I would love to do. Um, but really, I I just love genre. I love genre stuff. And for me, I'd say my two favorite genres are just fantasy and sci-fi. So like I love I love those those types of stories and characters, you know, equally, I, I'd be super grateful, regard, right? you know, it, it, to, you know, I'd be super grateful just to have the opportunity to work uh, on either. If, if, if Headlopper got, got canceled and then, and, and Dark Horse was like, well, you know, let's do more Apocalypse Girl. I'd be like, sound, sounds great. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm just happy to draw uh, and write, you know, those, uh, those characters that I, that I have fun with. Awesome. So my last question for you, you, you talked a little bit about Spider-Man early on. So my question for you, if you could like step outside of creator own stuff and if you had the opportunity to draw, um, I know you said like you're not, you, you got kind of got out of superheroes and, and, you know, if you could go back and if you had the opportunity to, to work on a superhero or a, you know, a property at one of the big two, what, what would you want to work on? What would you want to draw? Oh God, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, it's tough. I mean, I I always loved you know X Men when I was a kid, so I, I like I would love to do like X Men would be a would be a top choice, but um, I don't know. I, I it's a maybe it's not a fun answer, but I feel like 
if you have the freedom to make something, you know, your own a little bit, you can you can find a way to to love anything. Yeah. I actually, always, you know, I actually always thought it would be it'd be cool if there was, especially if you had the freedom to not, you know, really like paying attention to canon or whatever. <laughs> I feel like I feel like uh, Nightcrawler is a character that if you were given the freedom to just like do whatever you want with this character, you you could come up with something. I feel like his story would be like really sad or really strange or whatever, but. I just I always felt like there's there's a there's a book there's a Nightcrawler like graphic novel out there that could be really great and and, and I don't know why I always did picture it as a graphic novel too like it exists I almost feel like he like wouldn't even meet any other mutants or something do you know what I mean yeah, <laughs> like it would yeah. just be like his story of being like oh my god I'm freaking blue and I can <laughs> and I can like disappear and reappear and and like pink puffs of clouds you know and I feel like I think he's got like a really fucked up childhood or something yeah well awesome man well you know uh andrew thanks so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it uh i'm gonna tell everybody to go check out the head lopper trade it comes out what's the date that it drops october what uh fifth yeah it's like uh yeah it's next wednesday as as we're recording it this is next wednesday and then i think it'll have just come out uh so when this airs it'll come out like a week before this aired so it came out last week so go to your comic, <laughs> come, go to your comic Wait, book store go find it read it <laughs> uh like 50 pages of more content it is fantastic if you didn't get it quarterly you should pick it up in the trade uh it's wonderful go get apocalyptic girl uh too uh thanks so much andrew for coming on i really appreciate it uh oh, and, and you, man. i'm looking forward to like yeah, people can find you on instagram what's your instagram uh handle uh, I think it's like uh, Andrew underscore McLean or something. Just search for uh, Andrew McLean. On yeah, I try to I try to make it always as simple as possible. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's just Andrew McLean. No underscore, nothing. Just straight through. All right, awesome. But, uh, yeah, I think I got that Google unlock. As long as you spell it M A C L E A N, you should be able to find me. You got all. Uh, yeah, and I'm telling you, uh, you do some great process stuff on there that I, I kind of love seeing. In fact. Uh, you were doing a Dark Knight piece, uh, like Armored Batman. That is yeah, yeah. magnificent. Yeah. It is magnificent. Ah, thanks so much, man. Yeah, um, I always, I'm never sure if I'm going to drive people nuts with all that process stuff, but personally, I go, I go bonkers for process stuff. Oh, man, it's it's so cool to kind of see it happen. Uh, so I, I'm digging it. So if you, if you want to see some of his work and, and kind of see how he creates, that's a real cool way to go do it. Just find him on Instagram or on Twitter and check that stuff out. Again, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, and I'm hoping, you know, uh, when maybe after Trade 2 comes out, we'll, we'll have you back on. Yeah, for sure, man. That'd be fun. Awesome. Thanks so much. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. And we're back. All right. So interview with Andrew McLean. Uh, Headlopper's out. I have it in my grubby little hands, the the full trade. It, like, weighs a ton. It's huge. It's got an extra story in it. It's like an, an epilogue in it, Travis. It's got, like, so much sketchbookery in it. Uh, the pinup gallery, a map, Travis. There's a map in it. Gotta have a map. It's fantasy, baby. I know. Andrew told me about the map in the interview. You heard it in the interview. Uh, and then uh, when I got my mitts on on it, I was like, ooh, a map. It felt like I was playing old role-playing games, dude. It was great. Well, it dude, was great. Dude, it's, 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 you know, in the interview, he talks about, you know, the idea of trying to find extra stuff to put in the, the repackaging of this, right? And I really thought, yeah. I, I really thought it was, um, it's great that he, he goes through and it's like, listen, I know we're putting this back out again, but I really want to make sure that if you're buying this, that you're going to get your money's worth, that it's packed with lots of stuff. And he was talking about the fact... He has nothing left. There's nothing yeah, left for this headlopper to put in there. So <laughs> this is – if you get this, you are literally getting all of headlopper. Like, like there's no more scraps of headlopper out there. The only way you're going to be able to get more headlopper is to do some headlopper uh, fan fiction. Some headlopping of your own. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it is it is coming back out. He mentioned that in the, in the podcast. It's starting back up after the first of the year. Uh, I'm excited for like the next the next wave of it. Uh, the quarterly concept that he did, I love it. Um, so I'm I'm excited to read some more of it. But uh, I pre-ordered it, so it landed on my doorstep. 
the day before it went out into comic book shop. So I got it on Tuesday and it hit shops on Wednesday. So I got to dive into it Tuesday night again and just just reread the story. Uh, and it's fun fantasy, man. There's just some there's like this strange absurdity about it, but also this like sort of heart in the story. And it, it's it's good times. It's a, well, it's a good it's, it's, it's a good it's read. A, it's a well, the at least the first uh, quarterly one that you gave me, the Kickstarter one. I mean, it's a quick read. I mean, you yeah. just, you kind of go through it, and then you can. It's like a good toilet read, not like the the shit. But I'm just <laughs> saying that you know you read it real quick, and then you can go back and just look at the art, just enjoy like all the fantastical elements of it. You know. Yeah, and I tell you what, when you when you read this all together, though, man, it is like a giant amount of pages. Like each each chapter is like sixty pages long. So it's it's, gotta be it's a, a thick, good. It's got to be a thick little a, book, huh? It is a thick trade, man. Like you want to press some flowers. That's the you like. You can press a bouquet with this bad boy. What's it going uh, for? I think you know. I it's it's it's. I think it's. I think it's eighteen. Is what it oh, is. Wow. I think it's for all 18, that 18. for all four. Yeah, yeah. So all four plus an epilogue, uh, and that first one is like eighty pages. The first issue, the issue, if we can call it that, because it was the first two kickstarters. Because he kickstarted two books and then did. Then they got put onto image with another like extra twenty some pages, so it's almost like I think that first one is almost eighty pages long. Go, it's something ridiculous right now because I want I want to have it on my coffee table when people come over and they're like, "What the hell is this?" I'm like, "That's Headlopper, baby. You don't know that?" <laughs> oh no, it's cool. it's it's such a seventeen ninety nine, seventeen ninety nine, right. two hundred and eighty pages, buddy, two hundred and eighty pages. <laughs> it is what is, this, Game it of is huge, novel? right? It is huge, uh, but. So let's 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 talk about here's something we haven't talked about, Travis. I mentioned in the beginning of the show before the interview, uh, we haven't really talked too much about our like this side of our nerdy past, not the comic book side, but we've the done like a lot of sci-fi. We've done a lot of sci-fi. We've, do, we've we done, a lot, done a lot of sci-fi. Fantasy. I want to know. I want to know what what is your what's your fantasy background, buddy? What do you what do you got? What's your I, 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 we haven't talked about about this a lot, but you know, we talked about we talk a lot about like our first exposure to comics, and I think um, I even mentioned early, early on, maybe in the first couple episodes, that you know, as someone who went on to be an English major, um, my first reading experiences were with comic books. You know, you, you it's it's such yeah. a great uh, medium to learn how to read, basically. You know, and you can yeah. read above your pay grade when you're young and you're reading comics, but when it comes to actually sitting down with a paperback or a novel, it was fantasy that got me into actually reading books, book books, book books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that, like, my first book books, same thing, too. They were all in that, that fantasy genre. So so here's what I want to know, buddy. Uh, what was your first exposure to fantasy? My <laughs> – in book form? <laughs> well – I remember it was um, I was a sophomore in college, and there was this no, 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 no. I used to work no, no, no. At, at, um, <laughs> Super Salad, and um, you worked at Super Salad in college. I worked at Super Salad in college, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning so much about you. Through this. Anyways, but anyways, was, but, I, but muggy, I digress. It was a muggy night, um, <laughs> early October, and I had just gotten off my shift. Uh, um, oh yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> fantasy. It was uh, you know I had a teacher, a uh, uh, fifth grade teacher, Mr. Johnson, and. He used to uh, read the um, the Legends of Pierre Dane, the Lloyd uh, Alexander novels. Uh, they made a Disney movie out of one of them, The Black Cauldron. Oh, um, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, and so that was a whole series. There's like five of them, and it was it's a it's a young fantasy, uh, you know, reading book. But I remember just devouring those. And Mr. Johnson would sit in front of the class, and he'd he'd do all the character voices, and I would just be <laughs> lost in it. So he read us the first one in class, and then I went through and just went to the library and just picked out the rest of them, and just I couldn't stop, couldn't stop reading them. Just I remember that's when you learn how to get over reading fatigue because when you start reading books, your eyes kind of like this is too yeah. much, and I just couldn't put it down. That was like a flashlight under the sheets at bed at night. You know, your mom go to sleep. <laughs> like I'm reading fantasy, mom. God, <laughs> leave me alone. There's a black cauldron. There, there are zombies coming out of it, mom. <laughs> There's like demons with 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 goat horns. Uh, so a little little black cauldron action for you. What was the what's the first fantasy movie you remember watching? What's the first fantasy movie you remember oh, watching? Oh, you know what? It was kind of irresponsible of my parents, but I remember watching the Conan uh, Conan movies when I was really young, like yeah. five six years old. Because I remember being like those those titties. 
<laughs> remember remember he smashes remember the smashing the mirror part that's like that i remember that part so vividly as a kid like watching him smash the mirrors remember oh, that yeah, scene yeah 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 that, that's like the that's like one of the tame scenes too <laughs> i know i know but like that's one part i remember vividly as a kid is, is that smashing the smashing of the mirrors and everything i remember that one you know what I, you know one of the first ones i remember also irresponsible by parents excalibur Oh wow! Remember, remember yeah, that, that, that is that's a that's a dark one too. That's a that's long like, that's a long sit for a little kid. And like I don't remember when I watched it, but that's like one of the, that's like one of my first like like memories of like oh there's like knights and swords and and I and I remember like watching uh, when I was little watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, that's not as fantastical as like you know watching uh, Excalibur is and, and like I think there's like a. There's like a, a sex scene in the beginning of it where like uh, the dude takes over uh, yeah, yeah, King Arthur. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Because that's wait, no, isn't isn't that no, isn't it isn't that how? No, Arthur's it's not King Arthur. It, yeah, Arthur's yeah, Arthur's yeah. father, Uther Pendragon. Yeah, Uther Uther Pendragon. Is I took, a, I took over. A, a graduate course in Arthurian legend in college. I'm just saying. <laughs> so nerdy but i remember that um and i one of the first books i one of the first books i remember reading is the hobbit the hobbit is probably one of the first ones i remember like when i was when i was like early reading age i remember my mom read it to me when i was a kid like it was like before bed she would read parts of the hobbit but I, but my real memory of it is um so my, my sister had uh, a lot of like well still does has a lot of like heart problems and stuff like that she was born uh with a lot of like like uh heart issues and stuff like that so when i was a kid we'd, we'd go to the hospital and we'd be in the hospital for like a really long time like we'd be there for a couple days we'd stay at like the ronald mcdonald house and and so i remember one day and The Hobbit's not a long book, but this is the first time that I read a book cover to cover was was reading The Hobbit at the hospital. And I remember reading it in the waiting room while my sister was having like heart surgery or, or one of the multitudes of surgeries she had when I was a kid. I remember that book uh, getting me through being at the hospital for all that stuff. Oh, so nice. like, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, total escape. Rick, the, the purpose of fantasy is escape, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah. hospitals are a real rough place for a kid to be. So. Like I would much rather be in Mordor than a hospital, honestly. You right, know? right. And you know, I don't, I don't. It's been a really long time since I've read it again. I'd like to go back and I tried to reread it later, um, probably in my. You know, I read it a bunch of times when I was a kid, but I tried to read it later as an adult. I think I tried to read it in my twenties again, and I was like, I don't know. It just, it just wasn't the same for me as it was when I was a kid. Uh, I tried, I'd like to I, go back. Yeah, I tried to read that book. Uh, we had a class set my second year of teaching, and um, it, it's it's funny that your mom read it out loud to you, or at least parts of it, because it's it's not a book that reads well out loud. It's a lot of lists of dwarves, and like uh, there'll be whole giant paragraphs of just kind of uh, serial serial commas separating dwarf names and and <laughs> and attributes, and you're like, oh wow, this this doesn't really roll off the tongue. You know, the way not really <laughs> some books do, no, but so somehow we, they managed to make three major motion pictures out of it, buddy. <laughs> I, oh, no kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> really stretch this out. Yeah. Yeah. So. So what other what other nerdy fantasy? So, uh, well, let me ask. Well, I, I, I want to can I ask you a question. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go for yeah. it. So what is what do you what do you think of all the tropes of fantasy? What do you think draws you to that genre the most? What do you think? What do you think you, you, you? Yeah, you're drawn to. Well, I, th I think it's the same thing that draws people to superhero comic books, right? It's that idea that there is a clear good and a clear bad, right? And there's like usually some sort of otherworldly, or not otherworldly, but like like some some creature or some being who is clearly the bad guy. And then there is someone who is clearly the good guy. I mean, the same thing happens in sci-fi as well, right? You can talk about Star Wars and you can talk about, you know, Luke Skywalker. You could do that same story but play it with knights. I mean, that's essentially what the Jedi is, you know what right. I mean? Like lightsabers. Um, so I think it's that idea that there is, you know, there's an evil and then there's a hero and then there's an epic journey to defeat that evil, and it, and it's pure it's pure escapism. See, that's what that's what gets me. You know, that's what brings me into fantasy is the idea of the quest. I 
yeah. I love the idea of the quest. Because um, basically what you set yourself up for is a road trip story, which I love. I love yeah. comedies. I love dramas. I love anything that's a road trip story. Maybe it's Maybe it's – you know, taking us back to like the Odyssey days, you know, like the original road trip, right? Homer's, <laughs> Homer's the Odyssey. But, you know, you, 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 I love the idea of it doesn't matter what you're questing for. In these sci fi novels, uh, like the Terry uh, Brooks novels and the, you know, uh, Pierre Dane novels, Lord of the Ring novels, it doesn't really matter what's at the end of the journey. I just love the, that, how there's the journey. Quest, and I love the tropes of a quest. I love that you have to have um, your you you meet your your band of brothers along the way, right? You you yeah, you, yeah. you uh, uh, assimilate your your questing party. I love that you have to have. There's always some kind of um, artifact, you know, mythical, magical artifact. Yeah, it's a and, MacGuffin you need yeah, to, to fix everything. Exactly. So I always love how how each character like brings in that missing element, and you're like, ooh. And it's kind of like you – know, I think it's the same thing I kind of like about the X-Men, you know? It's it's like everyone has their own thing, you know? And if you yeah. don't have that piece, then the whole quest falls apart. Like, I was uh, like, we can't get in here. We need someone who can pick locks. Luckily, we met a thief along the way. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like all these like – all these little nuggets that, that kind of lead you to solve the problem. Yeah, the Dungeons and Dragons aspect of it, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that 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 reminds me of. So let's let's talk. Let's go. Let's go full nerd, buddy. Uh, now, did you play a lot of like Nintendo as a kid? I did. I, I got to about um, Super Nintendo uh, was was my heyday. I got through Nintendo and Super Nintendo, and then I started to fall off video games. So did you did you play any role playing games on on Nintendo oh, RP, and stuff? You when mean you, RPGs, yeah. Josh? Yeah, are you, yeah about, RPGs. Are, you, are you talking about RPGs, Josh? Yeah, I am. Did you just call them role playing <laughs> games like some fucking yeah. noob? <laughs> so what? Let me did let me let me question. Show? No, I did not. You did not. I played Zelda on original Nintendo. Okay, so so for me, uh, my nerddom went from like went went from like those books. Uh, and I vividly remember, and I pulled it up so I could, re- so I like I could get the names of the, of the books. I remember. Did you ever read Dragonlance? Did you ever read any of those? No, I know like, those are based on the Dungeons and Dragons games, aren't they? They're like super cheap uh, paperback books, right? They were they like they flew through producing them, right? Uh, and one of the ones I I remember reading the Dwarven Nations trilogy. <laughs> The Dwarven so, Nation trilogy. Yeah, the dwarves <laughs> finally get their due. I had to look up what they were. So the names of the books. There were three books, and they literally came out uh, in this in less than a year. All three books came out, and so uh, uh, Covenant of the Forge, mm, yeah. Hammer and Axe, and the Swords Heath Scroll. See, I think Hammer and Axe really took the fantasy genre to a new level. <laughs> Um, I feel like by bringing in both a hammer and an axe, and an axe, uh, you really got to see a blend of what fantasy is all about. Because I've read hammer stories before, and I've read and axe I've read stories, axe stories before. But when but you hammer when, and axe, when they get together like that, woo! Step back, buddy. So I had to go look them up again, and like seeing the covers online, as like I vividly remember like holding those books, and they came out. So it's like February nineteen ninety three, July nineteen ninety three, January nineteen ninety four. So within eleven months, these three books came out, all written by the same guy. Was right? it a publishing thing where they're like they had one book, and they're like we can make more money if we split it into three books? I don't think so. These books came out like. It's super in succession. I mean, they were they were super formulaic. I can't imagine, you know, they took a lot of like editing or like, ooh, I've got to tell a real important. I mean, they're all like cheap paperback books, like pulp books back in the day. Right. They still they still make books like this. You can still get these sorts of books everywhere. There's a whole section in the Barnes and Noble. I, with these I know, books. I know. So, but I remember that, and so that takes me to like uh, during this time. I remember like reading this stuff and then also playing like. You know, uh, Final Fantasy on Nintendo and Zelda and like all of these, all of these like knock like these second tier games like uh, Seventh Saga and oh man, there's another one about dragons. I don't remember what it's called, but it was like the hardest video game ever. Um, oh crap! Now I'm never I'm never gonna remember what it is. But but all these sorts of like cheap role playing games on 
uh, Nintendo. So I was like, seriously, for a period of time, I was like super into this sort of fantasy element of stuff. And then like, I don't, I don't know what, I think I punk rock happened. You know what I mean? Like I found something else to obsess about. So this kind of went away, but I still love a good, like Knights in Armor story, dude. You give me a, yeah, here's the thing, <laughs> you know, too, with um, with fantasy and one of the reasons that I um, uh, became less of a voracious uh, fantasy reader and consumer is it's it's the one genre where good fantasy is so good, but bad fantasy is so awful. Yeah. it's so awful. And I got to the point where, I, you know, when you're, especially when you're looking at book covers, they have the best book covers for the shitty oh, yeah. books in fantasy. And so I was picking all the wrong fantasy books, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is horrible. So it's like I think there's like 80% fantasy garbage, which is great. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> people might love that stuff, but I, I, I don't want to waste my time with the 80%. I want to read like the 20% like Game of Thrones, you know, uh, the, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing, man. Like there's so much – the same thing with sci-fi. There is so much sci-fi out there. Um, that it's easy to like read a bunch of bad sci-fi. And so for me, I have like a, I have like a collection of, uh, like Heinlein, Robert Heinlein sci-fi books right. and like all these cheapo books because I love the covers so much. And so whenever the library and this cause working in public schools, libraries get rid of all their books from the eighties right now, like all of their, like all the sci-fi books they had for a really long time. So whenever the librarian like gets rid of them, they always like you're free to take pile. I always like, and I went and found her. I'm like, hey, can you find any of these any of these books you've got that have got Do these? Do you have cheesy... anything with wizards? <laughs> <laughs> any of these cheesy books you have? Like, bring them out for me. I I want them because the covers are so amazingly awesome that I had to get them. So, um, did you ever play Dungeons and Dragons as a kid? No, the first time I played it was with you like two <laughs> years ago. And the same thing is I had never I had never played Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. I played uh, one board game that I remember playing as a kid was called Hero Quest, and it was like Dungeons and Dragons Lite, kind of like what you played because we don't we don't play real Dungeons and Dragons. I don't even think we played my, it right when we played. We probably don't. <laughs> we probably don't. Uh, but we don't play real Dungeons and Dragons. We play like a like a, uh, we played Descent. Is one of the games we were playing or. Uh, like Dungeons and Dragons Wrath of a Shardalon is the other one I've got. And those are like, they're not as much imagination. You don't have to create characters. You don't have to roll as many dice and stuff like that. Uh, but Hero Quest was this game that I loved as a kid. My buddy and I uh, used to play it. Um, and it was fantastic. Such a, such a rad game. Do you know how much that, that, uh, that a box of that game is for on eBay right now? Uh, I got 300 plus. <laughs> yes. It is ridiculous. I wanted this. I wanted this board game so bad, and I was like, "Oh, I've got to find it again" because it was such a good game when I was a kid. And finding it on eBay is ridiculously hard. It's super expensive, but I found uh, a. Uh, so I have some kids at school who are pretty nerdy, right? And so this game's like two fifty, three hundred bucks. You can maybe find it cheaper on eBay, like one fifty or something like that. But, but I uh, I found it, and uh, a kid of mine was talking about it. He was like, "Did you ever play Hero Quest, Mister Buckley?" I'm like, "Yes." What did you just say? And he's like, "Oh, I've got a really beat up copy of it." And I'm like, "You do not." And he's like, "No, I do." I'm like, "Can I buy it from you?" He's like, "I'm not going to sell it." I'm like, he's like, "But my my girlfriend has like a mint condition one that they've never played." So this year, my goal is to weasel this kid's girlfriend, like, her family into selling me this box, this boxed game of HeroQuest. Wait, you're, but you're not going to use any means necessary. He's going to stay within the legal boundaries, both yes, morally no, no, no. and legally, yes. to obtain this. <laughs> I just want to know, just, if something happens to this girl around this uh, this year, no, I just I don't no. want you I don't to even, be held accountable for what's going to happen. Like, if she gets hit by I a car, or... I <laughs> all I know is, all I know is that that I, I want my hands on this old board game. I want uh, and, my board game. And so it's a super, super cheesy board game that I that I need to have. I don't know why I need to have it, uh, but I just want to play it again. So to trying see if- to re- recapture your childhood one product at a time, Josh. You're right. You're, and you know what? Advertising works. Advertising works. <laughs> uh, Economics, man. Let That's how they get you, me. Let me ask you one uh, more question to round off our okay. fantasy conversation yeah. before we turn to a pumpkin. Here is um, 
All right, you know when you go into fantasy, when you're doing RPGs, and when you're doing Dungeons and Dragons, when you're reading, who is yeah. you, who is your favorite fantasy character type? Are you talking about wizards, thieves? You know what I'm talking about dwarves. What, yeah. What's your go? What's your what's the one you like to follow? I think I think the the one that is I think the like the barbarian, like the dumb barbarian, like Conan is always fun because like. He can't. He needs everybody else to really accomplish stuff, right? But there's just something heartwarming about a dude with a sword. And that's all he needs. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't. He doesn't need anything else. Uh, he's just gonna go out and go and bust some heads. So I like that one. And then I think second to that is sort of the wizard trope because there's something fun about. I mean, that's something even more fantastical is the use of magic. And so uh, having that in a story is always very cool. Yeah, I, I'm. I like. I like a good elf. But I'm not talking about okay. like, like not not like those. Sometimes elves take different shapes in fantasies. But like uh, Lord of the Rings, I love archers and everything. I think we mentioned yeah, this before. Yeah. I love anyone who has a bow and arrow, and those typically tend to be the elves. <laughs> I think it was maybe the Lord of the Rings thing. So I I like a good elf, and I'm with you. I like a good mage as well. I like a good mage, yeah. not like a wizened wizard, like an old wizened wizard. I want no. like, a, like a young roguish mage. Like a Han, if Han Solo should have magic, right? Yeah. That's what it should be. Gets my pain. It's a Han Solo, with, <laughs> a Han Solo with magic. That's what you need. Exactly. You yeah, need. a debonair, may, put him in a duster, maybe an old timey duster. <laughs> it works. It works. All right, Travis, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in the podcast. Travis, thanks for talking uh, nerdy, nerdy uh, fantasy stuff. I don't sound like I said dirty, dirty fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get that nerdy, mm-hmm. nerdy. That nerdy fantasy stuff with me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to the show. Remember, you can go back to last week's episode. We talked about Doctor Strange, The Way of the Weird. Uh, this uh, week, uh, thanks for tuning in and listening to the interview. Again, go just a big thank you. Go check out Apocalyptic Girl, uh, the one we yeah. did as well. Go pick up uh, yeah, go. Uh, McLean's stuff and then go check out Apocalyptic Girl. Yeah, go check out that. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the show, guys. Next episode, Travis, are we dedicating it to – we're doing Batman next one, right? I need to talk about this book. I, I, yes. I, 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 whether I want to or not is regardless. You need, I need to. I, I, need I agree to with talk you. about this book. Next book on the podcast is The Long Halloween uh, because it's October, guys. So Long Halloween, uh, we've got uh, we've got a good friend of the show on who is a giant Batman fan to talk about it. So I'm, I'm really I'm really excited to have Dan on to talk about it. Uh, he's and an average-sized so man, but he's a yes, giant no, fan. He's a giant fan. So uh, next episode is the Long Halloween Batman by uh, oh crap why is Jeff it, Loeb why is it? And, yeah um, yeah Tim Sale Jeff Tim Loeb Sale. and Tim Sale so that's the next one remember you can find us on uh, at, on Twitter at Comic Exposure uh, you can find us online all of the past episodes are all up on the website at uh, ComicExposure.com so check it out thanks for tuning and in and if you and... have a map and a compass you can find us on your quest for comic books. <laughs> <laughs> And ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next trade.